The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Good morning, New Song Church. Third service. We're so glad you guys are here this morning. Welcome to New Song Church. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sarah Blunt, and my husband Josh and I are the lead pastors here at New Song, and I am excited and honored to be closing out our series like never before. Uh, But before we get into the message, I want to take just a moment and a couple of things, remind you of a couple of things. One, Romano has told me that people think that Love His is a couple's event. It is not, okay? No boys allowed. It's ladies only. It is ladies night. It's going to be so much fun. I know that we've done a lot of events, uh, his events, over the course of the history of New Song. But I am really, really excited about this one. I think it's going to be very special. You know, Valentine's Day is a day that a lot of women feel unloved unnoticed and disappointed. And so this night is all about getting women to take their eyes off all the Valentine's Day stuff and really get their eyes on Jesus, the one whose love never, ever fails and never disappoints. So get your ticket and invite somebody to come with you. Really ask the Lord, like, Lord, who should I invite to come with me? Who needs to get their eyes on you this Valentine's Day? So think about it, grab a ticket. And then also, I am selling these discipleship on the go cards in the lobby today only. Um, you may have seen these on social media this week, but this is a resource that Josh and I created together. We worked very hard on these. And what it is, it's a deck of 36 cards. There's one card for each uh, week in a school year. School year is 36 weeks. And so there's 36 cards. And they've got a verse on them that's in language that your kids will understand and can confess and personalize it. But then there's also questions where they, you can ask them to engage in really meaningful conversation about the verse. Because we're not about just getting our kids to memorize and recite, but they don't have any idea what they're saying. I know that's how schools teach is like just memorize, cram all this information and then you don't apply it. This is different. We want you to memorize, but also know how to apply it. We want your kids to be able to move those verses from here to here. So that's what these cards are designed for. We've been doing it all year with our own kids. We, we do it in the car. Some people are doing it around the dinner table. It's for families on the go who want to disciple their children. So if you've got kids, if you've got grandkids, it's a great resource for you. They're 15 bucks and uh, To anyone who would say that's too expensive, I would say how much you drop on your kids when you go to Brahms for ice cream that lasts three minutes. About 15 bucks. The grass... The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands firm, for, firm forever. So this is an eternal investment for you and your family. So you can pick these up out in the lobby. Um, and then I want to give these away. And, and first service, we, we gave them away to a family who had a first grader. Second service is second grader. Who has a third grader? Anybody have a third grader in here? Here you go. Oh, wait, wait. KJ, do you already have some? No? Okay. Right here. Okay, okay, KJ, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to give this to the lady behind you. Okay, here you go. You're, no, right here, right here, right here. <laughs> Thank you, KJ. I'm pretty sure AJ already got some, so we're good. All right. <laughs> okay, so like never before. We're in a series where we've been talking about if we're going to have a year like never before, 
then we've got to do some things like never before. If we want 2019 to look differently than 2018, then we're going to have to do some things differently. Week one was all about being persistent like never before. We're going to ask and seek and knock like we've never done that before. Week number two was about being obedient like never before. We're going to obey God no matter what because we love him. And then week number three, last week, I think was my favorite of the series, Think Like Never Before. And if you didn't hear the message, you've got to get on the app and go back and listen to it. You can find our New Song Church app in the app store by searching New Song OKC. You can listen to all of our past messages and you can follow along with me today uh, with the New Song Sermon Notes. But Think Like Never Before was all about rewiring your brain and renewing your mind with the word of God, clearing out these forests of negative thoughts that are taking up space in our mind and and replacing them with the word of God. So uh, go back and listen to that. And then week number four today is all about being thankful like never before. Thankful like never before. Now, I think that Thanksgiving is one of these subjects that doesn't get enough real estate in modern day church. It's something that we talk about like once a year, maybe we'll do a message uh, the Sunday before Thanksgiving when a lot of people are already checked out and out of town, and then we quickly move into the Christmas series. But Thanksgiving is not seasonal, and Thanksgiving is not something that should be reserved only for the fourth Thursday in November, which most Americans kind of look at that day more like Black Friday Eve than they do Thanksgiving. Literally, our culture cannot take one day, we can't devote one full day to being thankful, just content with what we have. We have to move on. I need this. I want more. We've got to get this. Our, our country has got to be the most blessed country in the world, and yet I fear that we're the most ungrateful country in the world. So today we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. Now the other night at dinner, Josh and I uh, were talking about the fast, and he is a buddy who did water only the entire 21 days. This guy has had nothing, I mean, not broth, water, water only for 21 days. And so you can imagine he's lost a bunch of weight. And so Josh was telling me, yeah, he's doing water only. He's lost this many pounds. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And our son was like, oh, he overheard us and said, hey, how much weight have you guys lost on the fast? And I was like, oh, real quickly though, this answer came out of my my mouth. And I know it was the spirit of God because I'm not this smart. I said, fasting is not about how much weight you lose, but it's about how much God you gain. And when I said that, I had to do a heart check. Like, okay, I'm at the end of the 21 days. How much God have I gained? I mean, yeah, my jeans fit a little bit better today than they did 21 days ago, but is my heart bursting at the seams with love and passion for God? This is where we should be, church. And listen, if you're coming to the end of the fast and you're like, it was good, but I want more of God, that's a great place to be. I want to encourage you. You should live there satisfied in Christ, but not satisfied with your relationship with him. That when you feel like you've hit a new depth in your relationship with God, you don't settle there. You're not like, all right, good. I'm at a good place with God. But you say, no, let's go deeper still, deeper still. I want more of you. That's where we've got to live. So this year, I am believing that I'm going to have gains like never before. Turn to your neighbor and say, gains like never before. 
I want to gain more of God than I ever have before, and I know that thankfulness is the key. If you want to have gains like never before, you're going to have to be thankful like never before. Look at this in 1 Timothy 6.6. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, a lot of you are doing really good at the godliness part of this, right? You're reading your Bible. You're praying. You're fasting. You did every day of the 21-day devotional. You didn't miss a day. You're showing up to worship night, right? You've got the godliness part down, but maybe you feel like you're not going anywhere. You're just like on a treadmill with the Lord. You're, you're stuck in one of those little hamster wheels, just kind of godly. You're doing all the godly things, but you don't feel like you're gaining very much of God. Well, it's time for you to partner that godliness with something. And what you need to partner it with, 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, godliness with contentment is great gain. So if you want to have these gains, if you want to gain more of God than ever before, then you're going to have to be content like never before. And a sign of contentment is thankfulness. So if you're going to be content like never before, that means you're going to be thankful like never before. I spent an entire year of my life from August 6, 2012 to August 5th, 2013 in a constant state of gratitude. That year I started a blog called 10,000 Reasons and every single day for 365 days I would list 26 or 27 things that I had to be thankful for and by the end of the year by the end of 365 days, I had listed 10,000 reasons, 10,000 things that I had to be thankful for. Now take a look at the screen. I want to show you what started this year of gratitude. So three days after we found out that we lost the baby, I was 20 weeks pregnant. I had to muster up every ounce of courage inside of me to get in a car and drive 15 minutes to the hospital and then muster up every ounce of courage inside of me to get out of the car and to walk into the hospital and then to get on an elevator, push the button to the labor and delivery floor and ride that thing up and then every ounce of courage inside of me to step off of that elevator into this bright and cheery labor and delivery floor that's meant to excite people who are about to welcome their new bundle of joy. But as I walked off that elevator, I just burst into tears. And I sat there silently sobbing with my back to the newborn nursery, knowing that my baby would never be in that nursery. And we checked into our, our room a little while later, and our doctor came in about midnight and he told us, I mean, he was shooting straight and said, hey, this is going to be the hardest night of your lives. And we didn't want to believe him, but it was. Uh, he induced labor about 3 a.m. I started to have contractions. And I woke up and was in a lot of pain. And the room that night, I mean, it was so different than the first two. Like we had our other, our other babies, we checked in really early in the morning, and I had them by the afternoon. The room was full of flowers and balloons and people coming back and forth, and we were watching Prices Ride, and the atmosphere is just light and fun and just joyful anticipation. But this day was so different. This night was so different. It was dark. It was me and Josh. There's no flowers. There's no balloon. There's no joy. It's just dread. 
the room was just filled with dread, like we're about to have to do this. And uh, I remember as I woke up and was contracting, just being mad. I woke up mad, like I can't believe this is happening. This isn't supposed to be us. This isn't, I'm not supposed to be leaving here empty handed. And just the atmosphere was so intense and heavy. And I I knew if I wanted to change the atmosphere that I was gonna have to do something. So I got out my phone and I put on some worship music. And the first song that played that night was 10,000 Reasons by Matt Redman, which was a really popular song that year. It actually won the Grammy for best song later that year. But it's a song that I'd heard on the radio. I'd sang it in my car, casually driving around. I'd sang it at church, sang it while I was cleaning my house. But this night was different. So I'm laying there in pain in the darkness, and Josh and I had to decide if we could still worship God in the middle of our darkest hour? Could we worship God like Paul and Silas when they were in jail? Could we do it? Did we really believe in our heart of hearts that God was good? And the answer was yes. So through gritted teeth and tears that night, we sang out these words. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before, Oh, my soul, I worship your holy name. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. You're rich in love. You're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. As I literally sang like never before that night, never so hurt, never so broken, never so confused, God showed up like never before. I felt his presence like never before. The atmosphere in that room changed. I knew he was there. I knew he was with me and that he was going to help me through that night. I delivered our our son the next morning, Felix, at 6.10 a.m. And then I checked out of the hospital a few hours later and I was home that night. And I remember before I got in bed that night, I was so exhausted, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually spent, completely exhausted. But before my head hit the pillow, I looked at Josh and I said, as hard as the last three days have been, I know that if we were to sit down, we could find 10,000 things to be thankful for. And then I went to sleep. Well, about a month later, those words came back to my heart and I knew it was the Holy Spirit. He was stirring something in me. He was saying, do it, do it, do it, do it. He was saying, do this. I want you to do this. I want you to to just spend a year finding 10,000 reasons that you have to be thankful. And the blog was born. And let me just tell you that not only was that a year like never before, But ever since then, it's been a life like never before. And this morning, I want to share with you four things that I learned in this process, in this journey of gratitude. I want to share with you things that are going to empower you to be thankful like never before. So you can not only have a year like never before, but a life like never before. So if you've got your notes ready, got your pencils ready, Here's point one coming at you. To be thankful like never before, I must believe that God never fails. I've got to believe that God never fails. But how can we believe 
that God never fails when obviously we've experienced failure. You know that, that song, King of My Heart, it's one of my favorite, but it gets to that part where it's like, you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Don't worry, I will not be singing at worship night tonight. <laughs> but we say that, you're never gonna let me down and God's never gonna fail me, but we experience failure. Maybe you're like me and you've had a failed pregnancy or you had a, maybe you've had a failed marriage, a failed business. Uh, your finances have failed you. Your parents may have failed you. Your education failed you. Maybe, maybe the, the church has failed you or, or your family. All of us have experienced failure. All of us have been let down. So how do we believe then that God never fails? Well, look at this with me in Psalm 73, 26. It says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and he's my portion forever. This tells us that we're gonna experience failure. Our heart may fail, our flesh may fail, People are going to fail us. We're going to have disappointments. We're going to get let down. But God is the strength of our heart and he's our portion forever. He's the one that when our body fails and our heart fails and our flesh fails, he's the one that carries us. He's the one that holds our hand and sees us through, helps us get to the other side. He's the one that will turn those failures into good things. He's the one working all things together for our good and he never fails. He never fails us. We've got to understand this because it helps us to sort out the trials and tribulations that we're guaranteed to face. It helps us to know that when we're in the middle of those trials and tribulations, that God's not responsible for them. I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew that God didn't fail me when I lost that baby. My body failed me. I still don't understand exactly what happened. My body may have failed. Satan's fingerprints were all over it. He's the one who comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I knew that God didn't fail me. And so because I knew that God didn't fail me, it, it helped me to, to, it saved me from heartbreak. And it saved me from seeing him the way that, it, with a warped view, a warped perspective. It helped me to keep the, the image of a good, good father intact. Listen, sometimes when bad things happen, people start to, to blame God. God, you failed me. God, you let me down. But we have to believe if we're going to live thankful like never before, we have to believe that he doesn't fail us and he's not responsible for the trials and tribulations. Yes, he'll use those things and turn them to good, but he's not ultimately responsible for them. And this is important because look at this. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells us to give thanks in every situation. Now, we need to understand that God never fails because if we don't, people are going to read this verse and they're going to think that this says give thanks for every situation, but it doesn't. It says give thanks in every situation. I was never thankful for the loss of my son. We're talking about thankfulness, right? I'm not going to be thankful for the loss of my my son, God doesn't command me to be thankful for that because he wasn't responsible for it because he never fails. But he does command me that in the middle of that circumstance that I've got to be thankful in that situation, not for it, but in it. If you get a bad diagnosis from the doctor, this verse isn't saying, well, it says every situation. No, it says find something to be thankful for in the situation. You don't have to be thankful for the diagnosis. But after you get the diagnosis, what do you have to be thankful for? I thank you, God, that you're my healer. I thank you, God, that I have friends and family that are going to help me. I thank you that I've got insurance. I thank you for good hospitals, for doctors, for medicine. Find reasons to be thankful 
in every situation, but understand you don't have to be thankful for every situation. God never fails. I, he wants you to hear this this morning. He wants you to hear, uh, he, he wants you to hear this. Quit thanking me for your trials and tribulations because they're not for me. They're not from me. Quit thanking him for, quit thanking me for them. They're not from me. So we're talking about Thanksgiving, and I just want you to get that before we move any further into this. When he says be thankful in every situation, he's not talking about being thankful for every situation. There's a big difference there, okay? So to be thankful like never before, we must believe he never fails. And then number two, we've got a desire to be in God's will. Show of hands, crowd participation, third service. Who wants to be in God's will? Who wants to be in the will of God, right? Everybody in here wants to be in the will of God. I think sometimes, though, this is something that we overcomplicate. We, 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 we try to figure it out. We're, we're like, we're praying about it all the time. God, I want to be in your will. What's your will? Show me your will. We're reading. We're asking our small group. I, I don't know. I'm not sure if this is God's will for me. Let me undercomplicate this for you. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, and you all just said that you did, you don't have to look any further than his word. God's will is God's will word. I think what happens is we get so focused on the specific will of God. Who will I marry? Where should I go to college? How many kids should we have? What's my career path? We get focused on the specific will of God, but we forget that there's a general will of God. And if you're not seeking out and doing the general will of God found in his word, he will not give you the specific will of God. We have to show him that this is important to us. His word is important to us. So here's how you do this. You go to any Bible website, Bible Gateway, Uversion, anything that has a search tool on it. You open that search tool and you put in the words, God's will. It will pull up every scripture that has those words in it. Begin to read through those scriptures and find the ones that say, this is God's will for you. And then, because you desire to be in God's will, you do what those scriptures say. You do the general will of God and the specific will of God will follow. So this morning, I'm going to give you a little piece of the general will of God for your life. Are you ready? 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we read the first part, give thanks in every situation. The next part says, because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will for you is that you would be thankful in every situation. This is his will for you. Yes, it may be God's will for you to be a successful businessman or woman that's going to fund God's kingdom, but... He will not fulfill those plans that he has for you if you first don't fulfill this plan that he has for you to be thankful in every situation. Now, you may be thinking, yeah, but that's kind of hard. Like, I don't know if I can do this. If I'm just being honest, I'm not sure I can be thankful in every situation. Like, what if the situation's really bad? I mean, do I, do I really have to, to do this if I'm going to be in God's will? I don't think I can do it. I love your honesty. And God appreciates your honesty. He really does. He appreciates your honesty. And he wants you to hear this this morning. That if he's willed for you to do something, it's not impossible for you to do. In fact, it will be easier than you ever thought possible because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you. And that spirit is an empowering, it's empowering you to do his will. 
So not only is it possible, but it's going to be way easier than you thought it was because you can rely on the Spirit of God to help you. We have, we have three kiddos at our house, 10, 7, and 5. And our will for them when it comes to helping around the house, chores around the house, it's different based on what they're actually capable of doing. Our son Gus is 10, so he's now tall enough and strong enough to, uh, after the trash has been picked up, take those big trash bins that have the wheels on them and wheel it up the driveway and open the back fence and put the trash cans where they go the rest of the week and shut that fence. That is our will for him as his parents. Now, my will for Sunny is not that. She's five. She's little. There's no way that she could push those things up there. And so uh, imagine me as her mom going to her and saying, hey, Sunny, uh, if you want to please mommy and daddy, and if you want to fulfill all the hopes that we have for you and your life, we're going to need you to go out there and move those trash cans. I would be a complete and total jerk because she couldn't do it. And, And this is what God wants you to see. If he wills for you to do something that's impossible for you to do, that makes him a jerk. And he is not a jerk. He's a good, good father. This isn't something that you're going to have to try and push and fall down and scrape your knee and get frustrated and give up. No, he's saying, this is my will for you and I've made it possible for you to do. So it is his will and you can do it. You can be certain of that. I also want you to know that this being thankful thing, that it's something you can start doing immediately. Like, you're ready right now to walk into this part of God's will for your life. I mean, as soon as you leave this place, you can start being a doer of this word. All you have to do is stop complaining and start being thankful. Let's stop this and let's start this. Let's start being thankful. If you want to be in God's will, you will find reasons to be thankful tomorrow even though it's Monday and you have to go to work and maybe you're having a horrible day at the office. If you want to be in God's will, you'll find reasons to be thankful on that horrible day. You'll find reasons to be thankful when things are going your way. You'll find reasons to be thankful when it's cold and cloudy and rainy and you've got a sinus infection. You'll find reasons to be thankful when the sun is shining and you're getting your vitamin D and you feel great. You'll find reasons to be thankful when your savings account is at that magic number and you'll be, uh, you'll find reasons to be thankful when it's empty. There's always reasons. There's always things for you to be thankful for. So if you want to be a doer of this word, if you want to be in God's will for your life, start this immediately. Stop complaining. Start being thankful. And remember, I really want this to sink in today. This is not a suggestion. And this is not like, let's just do this so we can have a more positive outlook on life, right? That's not what this is. This is God's will for your life. So we're going to be a doer of this word. Number three, to be thankful like never before, I must crave days spent in God's courts. I must crave days spent in God's courts. God's courts represent his presence. I need to crave time in his presence. Psalm 8410 says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. So better is one day in God's presence than a thousand days at Disneyland. Better Better is one day in God's presence than a thousand days on the beach are in the mountains. What this verse is saying is time spent in God's presence is better than time spent anywhere else. Do you really believe that this morning? Heart check here. 
How you doing with that? Do you really believe that time spent in God's courts are better than time spent anywhere else? I think sometimes we don't believe it. There's a disconnect. And here's where I think that disconnect takes place. We forget what awaits us in God's presence. We forget what awaits us in his courts. So let me remind you really quick. Every single thing that your soul craves, that your soul desires, it's found in his presence. Acceptance, significance, love, and patience. You crave purpose. Why do I exist? Why am I here today? That purpose is found in his courts. You crave the victory that you need to overcome temptation. That victory is found in his presence. You crave patience, peace, forgiveness, love. It's all in his presence. That's why. That's why the word says time spent in his presence, in his courts, is better than time spent anywhere else. So we're going to crave time in his courts, but then it tells us in Psalm 100 how we enter his courts. Look at this, Psalm 104. We enter his gates with a song of thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him, bless and praise his name. So every time we approach God, every time we enter into those courts that Jesus paid for us to be there, and every time we enter, we do so with a heart of thanksgiving, with gratitude. I think sometimes... We enter the courts and we're all about the needs. This is what I need. This is what I need you to do for me. We focus on what we need him to do for us instead of what he's already done for us. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you spend more time telling God what you want him to do for you or thanking him for what he's already done for you? Here's another one. If I were to get a hold of your prayer journal... What I just find list of things that you're believing God for, your faith list. God, I want you to do this for me this year. What I also find some things, some list of things that you're thankful for. Remember, godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, I'm not saying you should never ask for things. The first series in this message was all about asking and seeking and knocking like never before because we believe that God has more for you. Jesus even said, scripture says, tell me what you need. Okay, we can tell God what we need, but look at this, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and, everybody say, and Thank him for all he's done. Tell him what you need and thank him for all you've done. And I believe we're supposed to start with Thanksgiving because this says enter his gates with Thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Our biggest need right now is a building for this church. That's what we're fasting for. That's what we're believing for. That's what we're praying for. But you better believe when I approach God about it, that I'm not just coming into his course and being like, hey, God, look around. We need a building. Come on, do something. When I approach God, that's not how I approach him. I approach him first with thanksgiving. I say, thank you, God. Thank you that in the history of this church, we've never been without a place to assemble. 
Thank you for Charles Haskell Elementary, where we started. Thank you for those small beginnings. Thank you that there were people crazy enough to come to church at an elementary school. Thank you for Jake Lippert, who was there to set up those classrooms and rearrange those desks and the teachers that we dealt with. Thank you that we found Brian Decker at Haskell Elementary. Thank you for the culture that we established, the friendships that we made, some of our best friends we met at Haskell Elementary. Thank you for Noah's event venue. Thank you for the seamless transition that we had from Haskell to here. Thank you for the the new group of people that we reached as we moved to this area. Thank you for all the altar ministry that has taken place at this altar. God, thank you. You are faithful and I am grateful. And then I get to the need. And when I get to the need, I've spent so much time thanking him that I'm so full of faith that I spend very little time on the need. It's just kind of like, God, you're going to meet all of our needs according to our riches and glory. I'm trusting you. You're at work. I believe you're at work. And I leave his presence fully convinced that he's working all things together for my good. So yes, tell him what you need. But first, thank him for what he's already done. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. And here's the thing, the more thankful that you are, the further you move into his courts. Thanksgiving gets you up close and personal access to God. Up close and personal access, all access. Anybody go to the Justin Timberlake concert last night? Uh-uh-uh. Punky wanted to be there, right? <laughs> okay, well, when I was in eighth grade, the best thing that could ever happen to an eighth grade girl living in Tulsa happened. In sync, in sync came to Tulsa. They were going to do a concert and they were fairly new at the time. I loved them. They had one album out and I listened to that album on repeat. It was my jam, all of it. Justin Timberlake with his macaroni hair and his wife beater. He was tearing up my heart. Like, on a daily basis. And this was before, like, DVRs and YouTube, and this is how big of a fan I was. I would take my little VHS tape, a blank VHS tape. I'd find out when they were going to be on Regis and Kelly or Letterman or whatever, and I would put the VHS tape in. I'd set it all up so that it would record their performance on Letterman so I could watch it the day after. I mean, I wanted all of them that I could get. So, when, of course, when I found out that they were coming to Tulsa, I begged my mom if we could get tickets. I'd never been to a concert before, and she said yes. And so uh, this is before the internet. Couldn't get tickets online. So we had to get to go to the mall. They were selling them at the mall and wait in line at the box office. I still remember we got there so early, we were shocked to find out that people had been, like, camping out. So we were in line. We were really far back in line. We waited and waited and waited. The line started moving, and then we find out that they are sold out before we get to the box office. Now, these three girls, these three eighth grade girls were crushed. We went back to the car fully convinced that life was not fair. I mean, I think, I'm pretty sure there were tears. And uh, on the way back to the car, though, we saw three girls uh, from our cheer squad, and they had been uh, in line also, but they were a little bit ahead of us, and they got tickets. Well, these girls had also been calling and uh, the radio station, and they won tickets on the radio. So now they have the tickets that they've won, and then they have the tickets, the nosebleed tickets that they just got from the box office, and so they sell us their nosebleed tickets, and we're like, yes, life is good again. And then we find out something even more awesome. 
NSYNC is going to uh, do an all-access thing before the show where if you buy these all-access passes, you get to meet the band. Like, face-to-face, autographs, right there. So I begged my mom again. And she said, yes, she, she definitely gets, like, Mom of the Year award that year. Uh, and she let me skip school, which is a really big deal. I was a kid with perfect attendance, but I skipped school and we went to meet the band. It was like out of sports clips or something like that. And so uh, there's a big group of girls that had all bought these all-access tickets, but they only let us in like in groups of five or so. So we're all waiting. It's cold. We can't wait to get in there. They're like right behind this door. And I remember being up at the door and this big bodyguard's like, do you have your all-access pass? And I'm like, yeah, here it is. And he escorts us in to their presence, and there they are. And it was awesome. I mean, face-to-face with each of them. They signed autographs for us. I was looking in their eyes. JC called me a sweetheart. He was like, it was, it was the best. Okay, so lucky for you, the Tulsa world captured my face moments after this moment. Okay, check this out. There's me and my friend Carlisha and Ashley. It says, Sarah Newsom, Carlisha and Ashley, all union eighth graders, catch their breath after meeting members of pop group NSYNC. They literally took my breath away, guys. I was, I was speechless. It was so great. This was not my face, however, after the concert. The concert was lame. I had nosebleed seats. I mean, nosebleed on top of nosebleed, little ants down there. It was totally forgettable. The thing that I remembered was this all-access moment. And here's what I want you to see this morning. Some of you are settling for nosebleed seats. You're content with your relationship with God. You're like, you know what? Me and God are good. I've got enough of God. You're content with your relationship with God, but you're not content with your lifestyle. And that's keeping you up here in the nosebleeds. I'm going to say that again. Some of you have been hanging out in the nosebleed section because you're content with your relationship with him, but you're not content with your lifestyle. That's backward thinking. And here's here's what that creates. That creates you coming into God's courts and just telling him what you need. I don't need you I just want stuff from you. And that keeps you in the nosebleed section. When, when God's saying, hey, remember Jesus when he made a new and living way for you to come and enter my presence? I've given you all access. You get to choose how far into my courts you're going to come. Don't settle for nosebleed, church. Let's go farther into his courts. Let's go into his courts like we never have before. Thanksgiving opens the door to greater dimensions of God. It really does. I'm telling you, during that 10,000 Reasons project, I went further into his courts than I ever had before because I was, my heart was full of gratitude. And as I was in his courts, I got revelation from his word like never before. I heard his voice like never before. I felt his presence like never before. I experienced healing like never before. Here's the bottom line. I fell in love with Jesus like never before. Because of that exposure that I had to him, being at his feet, making myself at home in his presence, just thanking him over and over again, I got to know him like I never knew him before, and it caused me to love him like I never had before. So we've got to crave days spent in his courts. Crave days. Take advantage of that all access that you have with him. And then number four, we have to seek relationship over rituals. Seek relationship over rituals. In Luke 17, Jesus enters this village and there's 10 lepers 
Leprosy was a horrible, horrible disease, very painful. It was a, a, a disease that affects your nerves and nervous system, and it was contagious, and these people had to live isolated. They had to live away from their family and friends. They lived in a colony together, just surrounded by death and decay all the time. So Jesus was entering into this village, and they began to yell out for Jesus to heal them. Jesus, heal us. And here's what Jesus says. He says, go to be examined by the Jewish priest. Now, he said this because only a priest had the authority to pronounce the lepers clean. Only a priest had the authority to say, to look them over and say, you're clean. Now you can be back in society. They were the ones uh, that could uh, restore them back to society. So when Jesus says this, go be examined by the priest, this is what he was saying. He was saying, I declare that you are clean Go and show yourselves to the priest in order to be restored to society. He's saying your nightmare with leprosy is over, guys. This nightmare is over for you. So these 10 men, they obey Jesus. They take him at his word and they set off in the direction of the nearest priest. And as they're going, something amazing happens. They're walking along and they begin to look at their skin. They begin to look at their limbs and they're healed. Their body is back to normal. They have been restored to perfect health. Well, now, now, when this happened, there was one man, one man that couldn't contain himself. It happened to all 10 of them. All 10 of them were restored, but only one man could not contain himself. Look at this. It says, one of them, a foreigner from Samaria, Samaria, when he discovered that he was completely healed, he turned back to Jesus, shouting out joyous praises and glorifying God. When he found Jesus, he fell down at his feet and he thanked him over and over, saying to him, you are the Messiah. This man was a Samaritan. Now look how Jesus responds. Jesus says, so where are the other nine? Jesus asked, weren't there 10 who were healed? They all refused to return and give thanks and give glory to God, except you, a foreigner from Samaria. 10 men had leprosy. 10 men shouted out to Jesus. 10 men went to be examined by the priest. 10 men were healed as they walked, but one man came back to worship at the feet of Jesus. Look at this quote by Charles Spurgeon about this passage of scripture. He says, external religious exercises are easy enough and common enough, but the internal matter, the drawing out of the heart and thankful love, how scarce a thing it is. Nine obey ritual where only one praises the Lord. What this story shows us is that there's only one out of 10 There's only one out of 10 that are willing to go through, or sorry, it shows us that nine out of 10 are willing to go through external religious exercises. Nine out of 10 of us are willing to go to church. Nine out of 10 of us are willing to join a small group. Nine out of 10 are willing to serve, to volunteer, to tithe, to fast. Nine out of 10 are willing to do the external religious exercises, but only one has that kind of relationship with God that draws them back to him time and time again. Nine out of 10 were okay with going to the priest. Okay, we'll do this external religious exercise. We'll go to the priest. All 10 of them went, but only one came back. Listen, imagine being in this man's position. He's just been healed. He got his life back. 
He could go see his family. He could go see his friends. He could go be a part of society again. All he had to do was make it to that priest. But he said, no, that can wait. That can wait. First, I'm going back and I'm gonna sit at the feet of Jesus and I'm gonna worship him for the life that he's given me. One out of 10. One out of 10. Seek relationship over rituals. Another way that you could say that is seek his face, not just his hand. Spurgeon said, the drawing out of the heart and thankful love, how scarce a thing it is, how rare a thing it is. I pray that's not the case for New Song Church. I want this church, our desire, we pray that this church would be full of the one of tens. I pray this church would be full of ones, the ones who are willing to be give thanks in every situation. Ones who desire to be in God's will. One who desire time, who crave time in his courts. The ones who seek his face and not just his hands. The ones that can't contain themselves. The love uh, for Jesus that they have is bubbling out, spilling out. The ones who are going to be thankful like never before. They're going to sit at his feet like never before. We pray that this room is full of ones. One out of 10. I want to be the one out of 10. Before I started 10,000 Reasons, I was really great at rituals. I was great at reading my Bible. I was great at going to church. Perfect church attendance. I was great at serving. Great at tithing. Great at doing all the things. But when I began to sit at his feet, when I entered his courts and stayed there, and went further and further into his courts. It was like Jesus came and he breathed life into all those rituals. It wasn't just going through the motions, but he breathed life into all of it. And when he breathed life into it, it became so life-giving to me. I wasn't just reading the word anymore. I was in love with God's word. It was the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. I wasn't just serving at church anymore to look like I was doing my part, but I I valued those little kids and what I could impart into them back in those four and five-year-old classes. Listen, if you feel like you're just going through the motions, if you feel like your life is just full of religious rituals, then you need to sit at God's feet and allow him to breathe on all that you're doing. Partner that godliness with contentment. I believe that there are people in this room today who have said things like this. I wish I could be on fire for God like that person is on fire for God. I wish I could get revelation from the word like that person gets revelation. I wish I could hear God like they hear God. I wish I could be in love with God like she's in love with God. Listen, he's saying, stop wishing and start worshiping. If you will just sit at my feet and worship me, you'll get to know me. You'll fall in love with me and all the things that you desire will follow. You will gain more of God than ever before if you will choose to be thankful like never before. If you would bow your heads. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? I believe that he is speaking to hearts all over this room. Maybe he's giving you a number. Maybe he's throwing a number out there. Maybe he's saying, hey, why don't you be thankful for 10 things every day this year? Why don't you be thankful for four things, 12 things, two things? He's saying, do it. Do it. Do it. Just do it. Just thank me and see what happens. I believe he's 
calling some people to repentance this morning. Some of you are, are, are you're feeling this, this conviction of, man, through this fast, I realize I've just been seeking his hand. And you need to apologize. You need to let God know, just like the song, God, I'm sorry. I just want to sit at your feet. You owe me nothing. It's me that owes you everything. Some of you need to repent. You need to say, I'm sorry. I'm going to sit at your feet. Whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning, respond. 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 Respond to what he's saying. Because if you don't, you just wasted 45 minutes of your life. You can't just sit here and hear this stuff and leave and do nothing. The Holy Spirit's talking to you. Respond to what he's saying and you will see fruit. You will see the fruit in your life if you choose to respond. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.